Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, that's me, ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. This is the Ion Travel Podcast with CBS News Travel Editor Peter Greenberg. Hi, everybody. Peter Greenberg here with another edition of the Ion Travel Podcast, Great Lakes Edition. On board the Viking Octantis, a special luxury expedition ship sailing Lake Michigan, Lake Huron, and then into Lake Superior. First, I'll sit down with the mayor of Milwaukee, Cavalier Johnson, to talk about a city and, of course, Lake Michigan. Then we'll make a stop on Mackinac Island and talk history with Steve Brisson, the director of state parks. Then Seth Kugel, columnist for the New York Times, weighs in with his experiences with travel insurance, with some fascinating case histories, and what you need to know before you ever sign for that policy. First up, from our embarkation port in Milwaukee, the Mayor Cavalier Johnson. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture-proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, the coldest case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. 
Mr. Mayor, welcome. Peter, thank you so much. Great to be with you. And you can say Madison here. I'm an alum just like you. Well, we're going to get to that. <laughs> yeah, we're both Badgers. We're both hoping for a better football season this year. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the problem with the Wisconsin football team is for so many years, their idea of an offensive play is, let's run it up the middle. <laughs> we can do better than that, right? We can do better we than need, that. We need yeah. a quarterback who can pass, and then we can talk. <laughs> Did right. you go to the games? I didn't go to the games so much. I went to a couple when I was in college. I, I was working a lot. I go to games more now uh, yeah. than I did when I was in college. All right. Well, then hopefully we'll win. Yes. <laughs> exactly. So we share Wisconsin in common for two reasons. One, for, I actually owe my career to that school. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming you, you would say the same thing? I would say the same, yeah. Yeah. I mean, here we are. Yeah. Look at us. I know. It's unbelievable. <laughs> but let's talk about Milwaukee. Because I remember when I first came to Milwaukee, I came on North Central Airlines. Mm-hmm. I flew over the Allen Bradley clock. Mm-hmm. We landed at Mitchell Field. Mm-hmm. It was like a brave new world for me. I was west of the Hudson River. I'm a New Yorker. <laughs> I saw my first cow. This is a big deal, <laughs> right? But Milwaukee has really evolved. Mm-hmm. Milwaukee, you know, I used to come up here on I-94, mm-hmm. and of course you could smell the yeast three miles mm-hmm. away mm-hmm. from all the breweries. Those days have changed. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the, the names like Heilman and Pats, Pabst mm-hmm. and Schlitz, Schaefer. Mm-hmm. You remember that commercial? I have look at it. I don't remember Schaefer. I'm 36. (laughs) (laughs) Schaefer is the one beer to have when you're having more than one. That's it. I'm done. (laughs) But I used to go to the old county stadium here and watch watch the games. I mean, but now you come to Milwaukee, your art museum is unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Your lakefront is unbelievable. Mm -hmm. I mean, your cultural, your food. Mm -hmm. We've gone way beyond cheese curds, haven't we? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. This is a foodie's paradise in Milwaukee. It really, really is. I mean... Uh, you know, I, when I was in Wisconsin, when I was a student there, the definition of sautéed was deep fried, <laughs> right? And you, and you had pizza, and you had fried something, right? <laughs> now it's, it's like you're, you're getting serious chefs everywhere. Yeah, I mean, there are a number of James Beard award-winning chefs that are here in Milwaukee. This is their home base. They do a great job. We've got an amazing culinary scene in Milwaukee that I think a lot of folks don't know about, but we're starting to beat our chest a little bit and let folks know that, hey, we're a real city and come and enjoy all the stuff you did, that you talked about, our lakefront, the quality of life, the, the, the restaurants that we have here. This is a really great place, place to be. I also spent some time in the Harley-Davidson Museum. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it, it is so cool. I mean, Harley-Davidson is one of our uh, landmark, or, uh, landmark uh, companies here in Milwaukee. Uh, this year, they're celebrating 120 years uh, in Milwaukee. So we'll have a big uh, uh, parade. They do that uh, every five years or so. This one will be bigger than ever. I bet. Because it's 120 years of Harley-Davidson in the city of Milwaukee. The thing that I found fascinating about that museum is at one point during World War II, they made bicycles. Yeah, Not huh. motorcycles, bicycles. I wish they'd bring them back. Ah, I did not know that. <laughs> it's in the museum. Absolutely. But, I mean, that was, that was a, an uplifting moment mm-hmm. for me. I could say that. But, you know, here we are getting on a ship, and, and most of the time people will just fly to a port mm-hmm. and then get on the ship and leave. Mm-hmm. Here I tell everybody, don't fly to the port and leave because your bags might not make it. Come the day or two before <laughs> mm-hmm. and then experience the city. Because that's your appetizer. Yeah, that's, and that is really, really great advice. I mean, I think when people get off of a plane and they get here and they get on the ground uh, in the city, their eyes are going to be opened up. Uh, this this is a really unique spot. And since I've been mayor, uh, I've taken it as my personal responsibility to, again, beat our chest and talk about how great of a city we are. And we're a city. We're not to be, you know, some sort of afterthought or some, you know, sister city or younger uh, sibling city uh, to some other places. We're our own city and we're coming into that. Exactly. And you've got the lake. Yes. Yes. I mean, you know, people don't realize they call them the Great Lakes for a reason. They're big. <laughs> You're huge. I know. But They're now you have, I mean, this never would have happened maybe 15 or 20 years ago. I mean, you had boating activity. Mm-hmm. But now you've got cruise ships coming in 
doing the Great Lakes. Yes, uh, there are cruise ships uh, here. I mean, there are some, uh, I believe, thirty or thirty or so uh, cruise uh, ships that'll be uh, coming here over the course of the season. Uh, we started off our, our cruise industry in Milwaukee along the Great Lakes. You know, we're on the southwestern shore of Lake Michigan uh, with roughly a, you know, a thousand uh, passengers uh, last year. That number crept up and it was like 13,000 people. Those numbers continue to grow and we are looking forward to continue to grow those numbers and working with our partners in the cruise ship industry to get more people to Milwaukee to experience what this city has to offer. You know, I'm going to sound like your unpaid ambassador here, but people who come off those ships, when you ask them if they enjoyed their cruise, Mm -hmm. they talk about surprise, surprise, Milwaukee, Mm -hmm. because they they never knew. Mm -hmm. They just they knew they had to fly here to get to the ship. Mm-hmm. That's what they knew. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's the biggest surprise for people when they come to Milwaukee? I think uh, when people get here and they realize that this that, that this is an actual city, that there's more to the Midwest and there's more to you know large cities on Lake Michigan than just uh, our sister city to the to the South Chicago. Um, you know, I even say about Chicago. I, I, I love Chicago. My wife's from Chicago. My dad's from Chicago. My stepmom's from Chicago. Um, Are you trying to say you're from Chicago? I'm not trying to say I'm from Chicago. Okay, but, but like you know there. I think people think about Chicago a lot, but Milwaukee's got a lot of stuff going on. It's these days Chicago's even copying us because they got a Mayor Johnson in Milwaukee. That's me. They just got their own Mayor Johnson in Chicago as well. So, you know, now folks are starting to copy us in Milwaukee. Well, here's the secret. I always say Milwaukee is Chicago's third airport. Mm-hmm. It's the secret airport because mm-hmm. if you go to the parking lot at Mitchell Field, mm-hmm. like one third of the plates are, are Illinois plates. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's they a, figured it out. Yeah. No, no. There's a lot of travel from uh, Chicago, northern Illinois that use uh, Mitchell uh, Airport here in Milwaukee as their primary airport. I mean, if I have a choice of O'Hare or Mitchell, it's mm-hmm. Mitchell. Mm-hmm. And by the way, the, the actual drive time from Mitchell to Chicago is what, hour and a half, yep, maybe? Roughly so. Right? Same, about the same amount mm-hmm. as uh, Milwaukee and Madison. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it's a great triangle. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the airport, uh, and I shared with this, this with you offline, but I'm going to say it again. I will plan a trip to the Milwaukee airport at least <laughs> once a year where I give, and I'm not planning on coming mm-hmm. to Milwaukee for that trip, mm-hmm. but I'm going to go through Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give myself a four hour layover. Mm-hmm just to go to the most unusual bookstore than any <laughs> airport I've ever seen. And they've been around for like 30 years out there. It's called Renaissance. Renaissance. Renaissance Books. Um, um, it's a used, rare, historic bookstore mm-hmm. store right in the middle of the terminal. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, of course, there's nothing in order in that bookstore. I mean, there's nothing's really cataloged properly, but you don't care. Just take your time. Walk down the aisles. Mm-hmm. They even have every Life magazine dating back to 1937. You can buy it. <laughs> it's unreal. Yeah, Renaissance is uh, is a neat place. Uh, many Milwaukeeans uh, know it, so I'm glad uh, uh, somebody who's traveled west of the Hudson uh, knows and yes, rec- I have traveled west of the Hudson <laughs> knows and recognizes uh, Renaissance. I mean, there's been a lot of investments uh, that have been made uh, at the airport generally uh, in Milwaukee to make sure that you know our travelers uh, have a great experience uh, when they're coming in or out of the city of Milwaukee. And by the way, right next to that bookstore is a great little mini museum mm-hmm. on Mitchell Field. Mm-hmm. You got to go in there and see it. And, and, of course, it made me feel very old because my very first trip to Wisconsin was on a Northwest Electra and then a Convair 580, and they have the models in there. And I was, I was afraid to say, yeah, I remember that. Uh, again, I'm 36, so I don't know what that means. Uh, but I'll be glad to show you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but remember, the North Central built this state. I mean, yeah. I mean, with those Convair 580s with a with little mallard goose on the back, which uh, then became Republic. You remember Republic? I, I remember Okay, Republic, good. Yes. Thank God. <laughs> and, of course, the one airline we miss a lot was Midwest Express. Midwest, Midwest Express. With those cookies the on cookies, board. cookies, yeah. Come on. See there, man. I'm with you on that. I mean, I do not, and of course, we are, most people don't realize how that airline got started. Mm-hmm. It was Air Kleenex. Mm-hmm. 
right? It was, it was Kimberly Clark needed, they wanted to fly their executives and United Airlines wouldn't give them a deal. So they said, we'll just start our own airline. Mm -hmm. Well, that worked up, That really worked very well for on Monday to Friday. Mm -hmm. But then what are they going to do with the planes on the weekend? So mm -hmm. let's be an airline. <laughs> and that became Midwest Express. They were great. Yeah, no, I, I, I did not know that backstory, but uh, I, I do know Midwest Express. Uh, I do know that it was, I mean, it was our hometown airport. Or, it was. You know, and folks really valued that airline, the quality service that they provided, and, and those chocolate chip cookies. cookies. Oh, man, man. And, and here's the, the deal. If you're on a DC-9 and you're baking the cookie, everybody on the plane knows it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and everybody got one. So. Everybody got one. Yeah, right. <laughs> so now, having said all these wonderful things, what's your biggest challenge? Uh, you know, we are a city again, um, and so uh, we face some of the same challenges that other large American cities face. I and mean, we're the we're the only first class major metropolitan city uh, in the state of Wisconsin. And so, uh, in this office, in my job as mayor, I focus a lot on issues around public safety. Uh, I focus a lot on issues uh, around you know making sure kids uh, have opportunities in the summer uh, as we're approaching now. I focus a lot on working to make sure we attract uh, good-paying, family-supporting jobs in the city. And, you know, the past several years, we've had a really, really uh, good stretch that is continuing. Uh, other mayors in other cities across the country uh, lament the position that they're in and envy the position that we're in in Milwaukee, where you have businesses that are actually not closing down shops, not sending workers away, but actually investing in new office space and bringing workers uh, to our city. Mr. Mayor, what do people know about the lake? About Lake Michigan? Yeah. Uh, they know that it's big. They know you that want to stop right there? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that people are increasingly uh, understanding the value of not just Lake Michigan, but the Great Lakes in general, that it's the largest supply of fresh water uh, in the world. You know, when I was in Chicago, by the way, I would go to Chicago every weekend from Madison on mm -hmm. I-90, and that's when I discovered Navy Pier. Mm -hmm. That's when I realized there's a lake out there, because yeah. when you're in Madison, Wisconsin, you have four lakes, but they're Kind of small. They're, they're tiny. Yeah, yeah not you, here. You can see across them. Yes, uh, you, you can. can't do that here. <laughs> uh, but uh, folks are starting to realize the value of the lakes. You know, we've had a, a lot of focus on preserving natural resources. We do that in Milwaukee. Uh, we've got you know miles and miles of lakeshore access for people who live here, people who visit here, uh, and so on and so forth. And again, it, the 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 fact that water scarcity is a thing, climate change is real. That in a place like Milwaukee, we've got abundant access to fresh quality water uh, in the city, and I think folks are starting to take notice of that. And do you get out on the lake anymore? I, I sometimes get out get out there. I'm actually uh, working, or one of my friends is trying to get me to go out there on a boat to do some fishing uh, pretty soon here. And we're going to be fishing for what? Uh, whatever he says. I don't, I've actually never been fishing, uh, believe it or not. So uh, whatever he says. I think he told me salmon. Wait a second. Think, You're in know. Wisconsin and you've never been fishing? Hey, look, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I spent a lot of time uh, in the heart of the city. I mean, that's where I grew up. Uh, I've had the opportunity to go to some camps uh, when I was a teenager. But we, you know, when I was growing up, we didn't have a lot. Uh, we didn't get the chance to uh, to experience some of those things. Uh, I've started to do that uh, as I've gotten older. So I'm really looking forward to getting out there and going fishing now. Well, here, what you can do is wait till February drill a hole <laughs> and see what happens in the ice. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I mean, look, there are people that do that on Lake Michigan. Oh, we know. Yeah, there, yeah. there's a lot of ice fishing. Uh, there's ice, you know, some people go out there and ice skate. Um, there's a lot of activity that happen. Uh, ice sailing. On, uh, yeah, yeah, on, on Lake Michigan. And I, I think it's great. And maybe that's something that we'll take up. All right. So to, to, to be honest with me, how many bratwursts, how many cheese curds? Oh, have I ever consumed? Yeah. Uh, untold. I actually have some leftover from Memorial Day that I've got to finish up uh, this week here. So uh, uh, every night this week has been a bratwurst night. <laughs> wow. Okay. And of course, cheese. Oh, oh, I have cheese on the brat. I mean, just, yeah. Well, I, just, I know that, but I'm saying 
in Wisconsin, they call it America's Dairyland for a reason. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, uh, one of the things that we value in Wisconsin, it's even been on our uh, license plates uh, for some time, is the fact that we're America's Dairyland. Uh, this is the home of you ch- cheese curds. You mentioned uh, so this many. This is the home of cheese heads. Yeah, yeah well, I was going to get there. <laughs> uh, cheese curds, cheese heads, uh, obviously milk, uh, so many other dairy products, frozen custard. We're the capital of frozen custard in the United States, and Milwaukee helps to lead that charge. And I, for one, think it's delicious. Wow. Is it soft serve? It is soft serve. It is fresh. It is literally the best thing. And in the last what, 20 years, you've evolved into a biking city. Yes, yes. And under my administration, uh, we'll continue to evolve and become an even greater biking city. Uh, I, I want to make sure that we build out a protected bicycle uh, network throughout the entire city of Milwaukee uh, to encourage people to get out there. Uh, it's different to see the city from that vantage point, uh, and I want people to have alternative modes of transportation. The streets are not just for people behind automobiles, but they're for all users, including bicyclists as well. Um, so I want them to get out there. It's good for their physical health and their mental health, too, and we're going to improve on that. Well, you mentioned automobiles. What are you doing in the EV rail? Uh uh, we're, we're doing uh, some some things. Uh, when I was on the city council before I got here, uh, we had worked to uh, put the city in the position to install uh, electronic vehicle charging stations. Uh, one of my goals uh, as mayor uh, uh, is to make sure that we're climate conscious, uh, and that includes working to get our fleet of vehicles uh, to transition to electronic vehicles. And we've had some success on that, and we'll continue to push that forward. And as long as you get the charging stations, people can do it. People can do it, exactly. <laughs> okay, last but not least, I can't go without talking about beer. Okay. I mean, this was, they, they called them brewers for a reason, mm-hmm. right? How many breweries do you have now? Oh, my gosh. Uh, how many corners do we have? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, Milwaukee, has, and Wisconsin generally, but Milwaukee uh, essentially, too, has, a, has a, a great beer tradition. I mean, Miller Coors uh, still has you know, uh, a large presence here. And by They're, the way, there was a time you never would mention Coors here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there, there, there was a time. Uh, those times have changed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so Miller Coors uh, is here, and there's so many other wonderful uh, uh, microbreweries that we have uh, all, uh, all across Milwaukee. Literally, you know, in neighborhoods all across the city, you'll find so many places from Lakefront Brewery to Third uh, Coast Brewery to uh, uh, City Lights Brewery. I mean, there's so many places. And that really goes back to the German influence mm-hmm. as well, mm-hmm. right? Oktoberfest. Yes, yes, exactly. And uh, since I've been mayor uh, and you know one of the principal leaders in government, I've had the chance to tap a couple te- a couple kegs uh, myself. <laughs> <laughs> Do the words "designated driver" ring a bell? Uh, I always have a designated driver in the mayor's <laughs> office. <laughs> so you're totally covered. I'm totally covered. You are protected. Hundred percent. But I mean, the big brewer days of, of, of we mentioned them before. You know, the Schlitzes and the Pabsts and the and they've a lot, there's been a lot of consolidation, but they've been taken over by the microbreweries. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, if if folks come to Milwaukee, uh, and they're coming to experience our hospitality, our tourism uh, scene, uh, our food scene, uh, and our, our food and beverage scene at that, including our beers, they're going to find uh, so much variety, so much excitement, so many different flavors right here in our city, uh, not just from big breweries like Miller Coors, but from the microbreweries all across the city as well. So you'll offer them a ride home then? They will get a ride home. You know, our <laughs> county transit system sometimes does free rides when folks are out drinking. Like It's, it's a good time in Milwaukee. My thanks to the mayor. Our first stop on this cruise is legendary Mackinac Island. No cars, just horses, historic homes, one grand hotel by the same name, and let's not forget Fudge. Steve Brisson, the director of Mackinac State Parks, 
has just a little bit of history to share. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Get up to 30% off well-crafted and personalized gifts from participating shops until May 12th. This year, embrace your creative side. You know, the side your mom gave you? And shop Etsy for custom jewelry, style pieces, home decor, and extra special items she'll adore. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. How are you, sir? I'm great. You know, people forget about history here. They know about coming to here to, to see the hotels and the horse-drawn carriages, and let's not forget the fudge. There's so much history that goes back to even war. Yes, it does. Uh, and when, when they get here, they're confronted with history right away, if, if they're not aware of it, because they'll hear a cannon booming from historic Fort Mackinac, which sits above the, with, above the town. So it's, it's in your face as soon as you arrive. And Fort Mackinac was erected when? 1780 by the British. Uh, it was uh, a fort that was moved from the mainland in that year. It was over there, and the British felt it was vulnerable to an American attack during the Revolution. So they moved the fort to more defensible Mackinac Island. But of course, not too far from here, the French were here too. I mean, the everybody... French were here before the British. They, they, they had fortified the Straits beginning in the late 17th century. Explain the Straits. The Straits of Mackinac is a narrows, uh, that's what Straits mean, a narrowing of the waterway between Lakes Michigan and Lakes Huron. Lake Michigan and Huron are basically one body of water, and they narrow and come together at the Straits of Mackinac. In fact, to come over to Mackinac, you start where? You start on you start in either Saint Ignace or Mackinac City. If you're coming, uh, on, on, unless you're coming on a cruise ship, uh, you come to one of those towns and take a ferry ride over. That's to the Shepler's, island. right? That's Sh- Shepler's or the Mackinac Island Ferry Company. Exactly, two of them. and that's that's Euron then. What's that? That's Euron. That's uh, Lake Huron. That's Lake Huron, yes. Yeah. Yes, we are on, uh, the, the island sits uh, uh, in Lake Huron. So we started actually in Lake Michigan, and now we're really in Lake Huron. Yes, you are in, you are in Lake Huron. So this was considered a strategic point for the fort. Oh, it was. This was it's a choke point. You know, all, all the travel back then in the 16th or the, the 17th and 18th centuries into the 19th was by water. And uh, this was a, a choke point on the Great Lakes. The French realized they had to fortify the, this, this area. The, the French controlled New France by strategically placing missions and forts at key locations. This was a, a key location. And you just said two interesting words, New France. New, well, New France, you know, all of, you know, Eastern Canada, the Great Lakes region, um, down to the Gulf of Mexico along the Mississippi, that was all New France. And then when did it change? It changed in 1761 uh, uh, with the conclusion of the French and Indian War, and, and the British uh, took over all this territory. And then when did the British leave? The British left after the American Revolution. 
And then it became America. And then it became America. But they kept the fort. They kept the fort. And then briefly, during the War of 1812, it became Great Britain again. Uh, uh, the, the, oh, Brit- the, 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 the Americans Brit- lost the fort. They, they did. The British attacked uh, Fort Mackinac in the first land engagement of the War of 1812 in the United States, the capture of Fort Mackinac. Whoops. Yep. Whoops. <laughs> it was a sneak attack. <laughs> and nothing was fired. They snuck up. They had built this fort, remember? They knew it they, was... They had the plans. They had the plans. They knew it was vulnerable from the rear. You know, this is not the first time the British had the plans and able to take something over. In the Falklands War, the British years earlier had given the Argentine Navy one of their old battleships, which the Argentines then re- renamed the Belgrano. And when the war started, the submarines at the British Navy had the battle plans, had the actual bu- building plans of the ship they built. They knew exactly where to launch the torpedoes. They knew the weak point of the ship. They launched two torpedoes, and the Belgrano sunk in like three minutes. The British did the same thing here. They had built the fort. Uh, they had intended to fortify the, the backside of it with an additional fortification. Um, they never did it. The Americans didn't do it. The British knew they hadn't done it, so they came, and they, under cover of darkness, stuck up behind the fort and demanded surrender. You see what happens when you cut con- uh, cut corners of contractors. <laughs> it's unbelievable. But now the fort is still here. It is. It, it is. It was garrisoned by the Americans until, until 1895, one of the oldest uh, operating forts of the 19th century in the United States, and finally closed in, in that year. When people come to this island, I mean, I know they're coming for, for you know, because, first of all, they haven't been before, and because they want to see something different. But what's the biggest surprise that they're not expecting? A surprise that they're not expecting, I think sometimes is the, that most of it, 83% of it, is part of the state park. That they're often aware of Grand Hotel, they're aware of the, the quaint little village with all the fudge shops and so on, but, and maybe the fort up on the hill, but behind the fort, again, 83% of the island are nature trails, uh, roadways, 40 miles of roads and trails in the park, beautiful vistas and, and, and romantic paths. And you woods. can bike it. And you can bike it. You can bike all the way around the island on the only highway in Michigan where cars are forbidden, uh, M185, encircling the island. Um, so I think that is a surprise to some people, because and the images of the island, you know, the horse and buggies downtown and Grand Hotel and so on, uh, and, and they don't realize how much of it is preserved within the yeah, borders that, of the The park. first part's the postcard. Yeah, yes. And the second part is you can actually get out and breathe. Yes, indeed, indeed. What about the wildlife? Wildlife, um, it's an island. Uh, you know, if major wildlife wanders over, we have, we have, <laughs> we have fudge-eating animals, and, and that's about it. We have small mammals and, and a variety of bird life and, and so on. A few deer every now and then come on over, a few uh, coyotes. But, uh, and, of course, what a lot of people don't realize is most people come, of course, by ferry boat, but there's also a small airport. There is a, a, an airport run by the state park here, here on the island since and, the 1930s. And don't get excited. It's, it's, it's not a big runway. No, it's not. It's not a big runway. I mean, in fact, it's a very small runway. It's a small runway, but it's the lifelink in the winter when the straits freeze over or before they freeze over and you can't take snowmobiles across the ice and the ferries have stopped running. The only way to get to the island is by air. Have you gone across by snowmobile? I have not. Uh, Would you? Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, I have two words for you when it comes to ice. Global warming. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. There was no ice bridge this year. See, yeah. that, that tells and, you a lot. Yeah, right, there you go. Yeah. But the thing is... Uh, that that's also used for medical evacuations. It is, yes. So the, the airport is critical to the, the year-round residents on the island. And just to put things in perspective, this reminds me, of course, of the island where I live, which is Fire Island in New York, right? Mm-hmm. The only motorized vehicles are fire trucks and maybe one or two police vehicles. Everything else is boat. Mm-hmm. Everything else is wagon or bicycle. Yep, it's the same. We thing. don't have the horses. Yeah, we, we've got the horses. Yes, we don't have the cleanup problem. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have the great compost either. We've got beautiful flower the beds. The best compost in the state of Michigan right. is right here. <laughs> 
But the history here, who tells that history? Um, primarily the Mackinac State Historic Parks. We run uh, Fort Mackinac, various other museums uh, throughout the downtown area, an art museum on the island. Um, we have, uh, again, a lot of those trails in the park are interpreted trails with, uh, with panels talking about the history and the natural history of the island. Now, when you have 40 miles, how long does it take somebody to actually bike around the oh, island? Oh, to bike around the island, it's eight miles to bike around the island. It's, if, if oh, eight got, miles is not, that, not in, that bad. No, it, it is not. You know, it's about three miles by two across, and, uh, uh, but 40 miles of, of interior roads and trails. It, it would take a while to bike all of those. But you can. You, you can, and many people do. Uh, wow. And what's the biggest challenge for Mackinac? The biggest challenge is uh, sometimes it's popularity. Sometimes it uh, can, can feel a, a little overcrowded. My thanks to Steve. On a more serious note, what's the number one complaint among travelers after service issues with airlines? It's travel insurance. And Seth Kugel from the New York Times has just a few stories to tell. Seth, welcome back. Uh, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so you know, I, you did a piece recently, and, and, and it's, it just rang out to me, simply because we've been talking about this issue on the air for over two years. Of course, it raised yeah. its ugly head during the pandemic. That was trip cancellation and interruption insurance. And let me just set the stage, and then I want to talk about what you wrote about, because it, it, it's just crazy. Uh, you know, for people who are booking online, you're going to know about what I'm going to tell you. You can't complete the transaction unless you opt in or opt out of taking that, that policy, the trip cancellation and interruption mm -hmm. insurance policy, which if you read the language mm -hmm. on that one page that you look at, which is the very first page that you go to on the website, whether it's Expedia or Travelocity or Orbitz or anywhere else, it basically says you need peace of mind, you're, you need to be protected, and most people with the best of intentions, unless they're buying like a $49 Southwest Airlines ticket, if they have any significant investment in the trip at all, most of them would say, well, gee, I better protect myself, and they hit that keystroke. Well, nobody ever gets to page five of the insurance company website, and they found that out the hard way during the pandemic when they found out that there on page five or six or seven or 27 was the paragraph that said, oh, sorry, we don't cover for pandemic, bye-bye. And so what they thought they were covered for, they weren't. And you're really flying blind if you buy insurance online because you have no idea what you're covered for, and worse, you have no idea what you're not covered for. And then came your column that I just read, and someone bought trip cancellation and interruption insurance. They bought it for a tour that then got canceled. They didn't cancel it. But the tour got canceled, and the insurance company still wouldn't pay. What happened? Yeah, well, I only wish travel insurance was as simple as the things you've said, which are already very complicated. It's just the most complicated thing around. So in this particular case, um, this woman uh, booked a trip to Cuba. Uh, it was She booked flights down there. Uh, separately from her tour. This is important for the story. Uh, the tour uh, was set to take place. There was a hurricane. Uh, it was a bunch outspill, but the tour operator said, you know, I'm just not sure we're going to be able to do this safely. Canceled the tour and gave everyone their money back. Okay, great. Honest tour operator, right? May not have even had to do that. Did it. Did the right thing. The problem is the flight down there. Okay, so you bought trip insurance, you want travel insurance, and your trip was canceled, so, of course, you would get that money back, right? Well, for more than one reason, she didn't get it back. And the main reason is because the flight wasn't canceled. Her tour was canceled, 
But the flight still went on, uh, and the rule was that the airport, for, in order to qualify for this travel, uh, trip cancellation, the airport has to be closed for 48 hours, or the route between your airport and your hotel has to be closed, or there has to be like an evacuation order on the area. So, but it's not like she was going to go on the trip without the tour. Right. Especially since this was Cuba, where technically speaking, you're not really allowed to go without an organized tour or without some serious advance planning yourself. So it's just this crazy loophole. Um, and you know, the crazy, even crazier thing about it is you were talking about getting to page five or six or seven. Well, I, for some reason, like to read these policies and I read the policy and yet it does say, there's just no, it, it does read, yeah, there has to be uh, 48 hours of the airport being closed or this or that. None of that was true. It turns out that the same travel insurance offers a slightly different policy for basically the same price that would have covered her because there's a clause in it saying if the tour operator cancels the trip, your trip is covered. Okay. <laughs> you see, now that, she had policy yeah. A instead of policy B, she was <laughs> But she had no way of really knowing that because who was going to tell her that? Uh, here, well, first of yeah. all, well, first of all, I think the problem is even greater than that. The problem is it's impossible to predict what's going to go wrong. You know that something might go wrong. There's a pretty decent chance that something might go wrong. The problem is what is it going to be that goes wrong? And you know, even if she had read the fine print of both policies. Would she have thought, oh, I see, but if there's a hurricane and the tour operator cancels, but the airport isn't closed, I need to be covered for that. People, you know, can't be expected to make that sort of decision in advance and sort of predicting what's going to happen in the world. Although, although, Seth, there's, you know, let, let me give you the converse of that, which I'll, I'll, okay. I'll, uh, I'll sing the, uh, I'll take the side of the insurance company on one issue, and that is you, know, you can't buy fire insurance after the fire breaks out. And you can't buy hurricane protection insurance once the storm is officially named by the National Weather Service. I get that. Correct. Okay. Correct. But in this situation, you know, the, the, the only rule of thumb that I would have followed is why would you not buy your travel from the travel provider in addition to the tour? Meaning, if she had bought the air package along with her tour package from the tour operator, they're not, there would not have been an issue. She would have gotten everything That's back. Correct. Is that right? Yeah, I believe that is correct. But this is a sort of a, uh, what would you call it, artisanal, independent tour operator. It wasn't a big company. Uh, I don't think that option existed to, to get the air, airline together as part of the package. Um, so, yeah. Uh, that said, I mean, I do understand uh, what the travel, why the travel insurance companies have policies. They have to have a policy and they say this is covered, this is not covered. They can't simply say if anything goes wrong on your trip, we're going to cover it. Uh, the problem is when they start really like getting into these specific details. And I, but I think another part of the problem is we do think that when we buy a, a, a travel insurance, it's literally going to cover us for anything that goes wrong that's not our fault. And I think we do need to realize often that's not Okay, so let me ask. Absolutely, not your fault. All right, so then let me ask this question then: knowing that and understanding that and agreeing with that, then isn't there an obligation and a responsibility on the on the part of the insurance companies that on the very page that they're saying be protected, they at least list the things that you're not covered for? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I I definitely agree with you. You know, I get enough of these 
the reason I did a story on travel insurance is because of the sheer quantity of different crazy stories I got about travel insurance. So, uh, but I think there is a problem, which is that it's hard to predict exactly what's going to go wrong. Can I tell you one more sure. uh, story here? Um, uh, uh, two people going in Antarctic cruise. Uh, the oh, I know this. Story. I know this story. I know this. it's where the woman gets sick, right? One of the passengers gets well, sick. Well, uh, in this case, there have been a number of Antarctic issues. But in this case, a, a man actually tragically died on the boat, and the boat had to turn around and come back to uh, port. Uh, I, I don't know exactly what the policy is. I think if you're in a Caribbean cruise, you know, someone dies, the body goes off to the next port or whatever. In this case, they're in the middle of nowhere. They come back, and actually, there were two possible reasons the people who were on this trip didn't get reimbursed for the trip. I don't even know which one it was, because it could have been <laughs> one of two. The first one was the person who died was not a member of the party that bought the ticket. So these two people had bought their tickets. Someone they didn't know had died. If one of them had died, it would have been covered. I mean, I'm laughing, but it's not funny. I'm you laughing. Know? Whereas it's because someone else on the trip died that suddenly they're not covered. That was one thing. The other reason it could have easily been declined is because they, they went back to, I can't remember whether it was Punta Arenas or Falcon Island or something like that. In any case, there were no flights back to wherever, uh, New York or Atlanta or, or wherever, or, or Santiago or wherever it was. So they had to stay on the, the boat for another few days until their original flight left. Well, guess what? They stayed on the boat. They never made it to Antarctica, but the fact that they slept on the boat every night that they were supposed to be on the cruise means the cruise was not interrupted. Oh, unbelievable. It didn't go anywhere. <laughs> that was truly a cruise to nowhere that cost them a lot of money. I mean, yeah, I know. I mean, what this begs is, uh, at the very least, a conversation with a travel advisor or a travel agent who can yeah. at least explain the hieroglyphics of the policy language because other than, and we, people should not be expected to come up with a definition of terms of what constitutes a completed cruise when somebody dies. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's crazy. Absolutely. Listen, Seth. Well, there's a few tips. There's a few tips I would I would give. I mean, yes, this is incredibly frustrating. These stories are outrageous. I have uh, many more of them, but I think if we're gonna uh, like draw a lesson from it, first of all, is that you really do need to think about what is most likely to go wrong with you. And just to give a super simple example, let's say you have an elderly parent and you're worried they might become ill uh, and you might have to cancel your trip and take care of them. Okay, so that's something that many, many, many policies cover. So then you want to check, well, which relatives do they cover, right? You want to be sure, oh, it's your parent. So they will cover a parent. They will cover a spouse. They will cover a child. But will they cover an uncle who raised you as if they were your father? <laughs> Probably not. So, but, but really, you need that's the sort of thing you need to think about. And I talked to a bunch of the travel insurance executives for the story, and they're not bad people. And they, they, they do cover most things that happen. And a lot of these are just exceptions. But they do say one thing. They say, you got to call them and ask them a lot of questions. And if it's a company that you can't call, you know, or if there's no obvious way to call them, then don't you buy might the be policy. dealing with the wrong company. Exactly. Yeah. 
because because and there's one more thing that is really important. If something happens during your trip or right before your trip, you want to call that travel insurance company right away and ask. First of all, am I covered? Second of all, if I am, what documentation do I need? Correct. Because right along with all of these, you're not covered because it's not in the policy. There's an equal number of we're going to we need X, Y, and Z documents, and if you can't provide these, we're you're covered, but we can't we can't pay you because you have to prove these things. And there's a lot of things you need to prove that you might think of right now, and we might talk about right now. But when you're on a trip and something goes wrong, you don't necessarily stop to think about. It. Yeah, you want. Then that's um, another good reason so, to have a travel agent who can operate as an advocate for you, who may know that absolutely. number. Or at least a hotline with a real human being on the other end of it. And if you ever buy a travel insurance policy that only covers you if it happens on a Tuesday, your middle name is Murray, and you're on a snowmobile, don't buy the policy. <laughs> right, right. And, and there are, you know, there are good travel insurance companies out there, but I think like they still still follow the policy. So I guess I would say, you know, read the policy carefully. I mean, I have now read a bunch of these. Not so much fun. But it's not horrible, right? I mean, it takes you 20 minutes. You read the policy. At least know what you're getting yourself into. And imagine the things that could go wrong and that might actually be likely to go wrong. When people ask, should I get travel insurance? Well, I mean, there's a few things. Uh, the first thing is if you got to be sure you have medical insurance when you're traveling. Correct. Right? That's a different so if you're deal. going abroad, you need, you need to check if, you're, if you have private health insurance for your work or whatever. You need to check and make sure what their policy is if you get into an accident out of state, out of country. And you can just call them and ask them. So that's one thing. But the other thing is you need to think about like what your risks are. It is true that the older you get and the frailer your health gets, the more it is a good deal to get travel insurance because there's a greater chance you won't be able to go. So people just need to think about what the possible risks are. Then they need to call and say what's going to be covered talk to a travel agent if you want to get their advice um, and then go with the company that, you know, there's a lot of these uh, aggregators online that will give you all the different options and then sure. you can sort of choose whichever policy looks best. Well, you know, but speaking of online, Seth, for somebody doing their transaction for their airline ticket online, please do yourself a favor. Mm-hmm. Don't opt in. Opt out of that until you understand it. Yeah. You can always buy it later but before the trip actually starts. Well, I'd even add something else. You might already be getting the same coverage, depending on what credit card you're using, to buy the ticket. Um, because exactly. some of the fancier travel credit cards, not even that fancy, many of many credit cards have these built in. They're not the greatest travel insurance, but they're just as good as the one you're opting into online. So take some time. Let's say you have two or three credit cards. Look it up. What are they covering you for if you buy with this credit card? You may, I think, tons and tons of people buy these policies that are already covered. My thanks to Seth, to Steve Brisson, and to Milwaukee Mayor Cavalier Johnson. And my thanks to you for listening to this Ion Travel podcast. For more conversations with the world's leaders in travel, as well as answers to your travel questions, be sure to rate and review this podcast whenever and wherever you happen to listen to podcasts. And for all the breaking travel news, you know what to do. Just log on to petergreenberg.com. The Ion Travel Podcast is produced by Amanda Morris and Anthony Protis-Chung. For more content from Peter Greenberg and the Ion Travel team, visit petergreenberg.com. 
Ion Travel is a production of CBS News Radio. If you like Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, you can listen early and ad free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com/survey. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. I'm going to be your financial coach, someone who brings common sense and an insider's perspective on how to manage your money and your emotions. And I promise we are going to have a little bit of fun along the way. Have a question from retirement to career changes to college funding? Just send us an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.